all stumble in many ways. We all sin and we keep on sinning. We have all that in common. Doing things that are opposite the way God had intended it to be. Paul paints a true picture of all people in his writings in Romans 3. This is a collection of what he has to say about us. You ready? None is righteous, no, not one. All have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. Their throats an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of snakes is under their lips. Their mouths are full of curses and bitterness. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That paints us pretty good, right? No. Be cautious about jumping in confidently to the role of teacher because one major equalizer is that we all have a sin problem. So where's the hope, Jake? That sin problem that was taken care of by Jesus on His cross is the hope for all. And because all have sinned, He died for all so that all might be saved. This is the good news of the Gospel. He didn't just die for Faith Church. He didn't just die for the Christians here in Dallas, Oregon. He died for all. And He saves us through His life, death, and resurrection to the glory of the Father. For we have all sinned and we will keep on sinning. But Christ saved us and He will continue saving us And one day when He returns, He'll save us yet again. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. So if anyone who doesn't mess up and stumble and, and sin... And what is said, well, then that person's perfect and able to control his whole self. Show of hands, anybody here? Okay, me neither. Good. (laughs) We get into the meat of this passage talking about our words, our mouths, our tongues. The word perfection used in this verse here isn't meaning sinlessness. Okay, we we can't achieve that. Christ achieved it for us but rather perfection meaning completeness or maturity. Commentator Hughes, he states that the control of the tongue is evidence of extraordinary spiritual maturity. The perfect man is able to bridle or control his whole body. It's so natural for us to gossip, to criticize, to slander, that the person who can control his tongue can easily rule the rest of his body if he controls his tongue. If we could control our tongue, we could control everything else in our lives. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, a good person out of his good treasure brings forth... I'll try it again. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, a good person out of his good treasure brings forth... Good. Yes, well done. Okay. An evil person out of his evil treasures brings forth 
The power of the tongue is immense. Never doubt it. Don't underestimate it. We do all too often. James uses two analogies here to to communicate this point. Beginning in verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I don't know anything about horses. Uh, But I I know a lot of you do. And I was talking with one of our elders, um, Trevor Russell. He's over with the the toddlers right now, teaching them about Jesus. Um, And he knows a lot about horses. And he was describing bits and, and, and... What's the bridle? There we go. See, I don't even know what it is. You know? <laughs> I know it goes in the horse's mouth, and that's about it. Okay? So, uh, and I know if you pull one way or the other, the horse will probably obey. But this massive beast of an animal being controlled by a small bit in its mouth, being trained to can be controlled, And if you have more questions about that, you can go see Trevor. But James uses this as as an example. The bridle and the bit in the mouth, you can train it, you can control it. In verse 4 he then says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Ships are huge. Back in like... uh, James and Paul's time, they were like over 100 person long ships. You could go from point A to point B over a long period of time in this beautiful wooden ship. Now, we have these mega, mega giant cruise ships. Have you guys seen these things? How many have been on one of those things? I have not. So, uh, can you get lost? (laughs) Okay, so it's a little bit big. Um, So this giant ship is still only being controlled by a small, it's probably not that small, it's probably the size of this room, but, <laughs> but in size, right? Uh, comparatively, a small rudder, and by that, the pilot who desires which direction to go. So he uses these two analogies. The horse is trained and the whole beast moves. The pilot steers and the ship's rudder adjusts the direction of the massive vessel. Charles Swindoll said it this way, this mere two-ounce slab of mucous membrane can you legitimately boast of its disproportionate power to determine human destiny. Say it again. This mere two-ounce slab of mucous membrane can legitimately boast of its disproportionate power to the determine, oh, to determine human destiny. And if this wasn't example enough, James paints another picture in verse 6. And he says that the tongue is a fire. It's like a small fire that sets a forest ablaze and the, and the tongue alone can destroy it. We've had some fires here. You guys remember uh, back in 2020? It was a great year, right? Remember when we were like in the ring of fire? I'm pretty sure that's what it was, right? It was fully surrounding us. The skies were deep, deep red, and it was dark. We get fires here. Some of those fires were started naturally. Some, some of them are declared as arson. 
And what James is saying here is that those who misuse the tongue are guilty of spiritual arson. A mere spark of an ill-spoken word can produce a firestorm that annihilates everything it touches. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and the kicker, and is itself set on fire by hell. James, he's not letting up here. He's pushing forward with this raw approach, with this graphic picture of the tongue and its tendencies for evil so that we don't miss an opportunity to see the truth here. An uncontrolled tongue has a direct line to hell, fueled by hell. John Calvin says about an uncontrolled tongue as the instrument for catching, encouraging, and increasing the fires of hell. Catching, encouraging, and increasing the fires of hell. The tongue will destroy. And it is used for all kinds of evil. Some examples, gossip. None of us struggle with that. Have you heard about, did you know? Hey, keep this to yourself, but or famously stated in Christian circles, I'm telling you this so that you can pray on it now. This is evil. Gossip is evil use of the tongue. Where gossip is saying behind a person's back what you would never say to their face, flattery is saying to a person's face what we would never say behind their back. Flatterers are people with wrong motives, evil ambitions, criticism, boasting, blasphemy, meanness are all major misuses of the tongue. Words to manipulate, to get whatever you want, is not what God had in mind. Now, the Oregon fires of 2020 that engulfed us, sparked by smaller fires, so is the tongue sparking greater evil. Verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. We pick up a puppy. We all like puppies, right? Some of us are kitten people. That's okay. You can picture it this way. We pick up a puppy and we take it to training class and it learns to obey its master, right? Its owner. You train it to not pee on the floor. You train it to not chew the furniture. Our dogs are taught and they learn to control themselves or be controlled by their owner. But verse 8 says that no one can tame the tongue. No man. Our tongue is our most difficult opponent and no one can control it. 
So we're reading our Bible here and we're like, okay, James, I think, I think we got the message. You've outlined just a, a bunch of examples. You've given it to us over and over. Let's move on now, right? Let's get to some good hopeful material. Whew. This is enough conviction for one day for Jake. Oh, but we still don't get it. I still don't get it. Because if we truly understood these truths that James is communicating, that we would live our lives, church family, actively in pursuit of taming our tongues, choosing cautiously what comes out of our mouths. We hear the truth, but we fall short of implementing it. And so James gives us another example. Because we need it. And we need it to be more than just a sentence. We need it to be more than just a paragraph. We need the whole chapter to convict us. Heck, we need the whole book. Verse 9, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Saw in the video... We lift our hands in praise of God here on Sunday mornings in church. And then we get in our car and we curse out that idiot in front of us driving. Or beforehand, when you're going to church or anywhere you're going and you chew out your loved ones because you were quick to anger, quick to speak, and slow to listen. We bless God with our mouths and then we curse His creation, those made in His image. Who do you find difficult to bless? My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James' main idea here is that whatever comes out of the mouth shows what's on the inside. Whatever comes out of the mouth is showing what's internal. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's quoting his brother Jesus again. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's inside? Let's be honest with ourselves. In your heart, right here, right now, these nice gray chairs, do you enjoy hearing the gossipy bits? Do you enjoy sharing them? How is it we respond to others? Do we act holy and good around others, but in the comfort of your home, speak critically of them? I'm gutted in reading this passage. It's heavy. The tongue may be small in size, but it has the power to destroy greatly. But church family, it can be used as a tool for Christ. A tool to build up. The tongue alone cannot 
just destroy. It has opportunity to build up if you give it. The tongue can proclaim the good news of the saving work of Christ. As it says in Romans, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The tongue has power for sanctification. The tongue has power for worship. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Using our tongue to build rather than to destroy. That's the good stuff. That's the hope. Having Christ-centered ambition, gospel motives, ridding ourselves from our selfish ambitions. So how do we do that? The last section of chapter 3, James says, seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. He concludes this section in his letter with wisdom. Wisdom from above, from the Father in heaven. Not this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom that James talks about in verse 15 that we're all easily swayed to. Reject that wisdom. Because it only leads to bitterness. It only leads to selfish ambition. It leads to me things. As James said in chapter 1, in the opening of his letter, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And it will be given. For the wisdom from above, the wisdom you and I ought to be striving for, is first pure. Then it is peaceable. Gentle. Open to reason. Full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial and sincere. Seek heavenly wisdom. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the glory of the Lord. Isaiah saw instantly, when face to face with the Lord in his vision, his, tongues and, his tongue and lips were unclean. Church family, let us confess as Isaiah did. Continues then, one of the seraphim flew over to me, having in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Let us confess like Isaiah. Let us submit to the cleansing work that God is doing in your life right now. And he ends with, I heard the voice of the Lord booming. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I said, here am I, send me. Live as sent ones. Prepare yourself to serve. From Isaiah's perspective, we have the confession. We have the cleansing. And finally, we have the call. And you have a call in your life, believer. 
A call to declare with your mouth the good news of Christ. To use your tongue for good works. What will you choose today? What will you choose this week? To use your tongue to build or to destroy? Heavenly Father, give us just ample opportunity to be that example in our culture, in our context, in controlling our tongue so that people might look and hear us and be drawn near to You. Father, use our our tongues for Your glory that we might not destroy others those created in Your likeness, but build them up and encourage them. Lord, kill gossip in our lives. Kill our selfish ambitions. Kill those things that stand in the way of You doing an incredible work. Stand in the way of us submitting to that cleansing work that You're already doing in us. Lord, thank You for Your servant James. Thank You for this passage that we can just jump into. With with hesitancy, we come to it. But out of the other side, may we implement these truths. Thank You, Lord, for Your goodness. We love You and praise You. Amen.